Today on Ruta Daily, we talk about how you should vote in the upcoming election. Welcome to Ruta Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less each day, we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God. I'm Brandon Levy, and today we're going to look into the Bible to see how Christians should approach voting. You know, the problem for Christians is that we are spiritual beings living in and traveling through a physical world. And part of that physical world is politics. And politics, people can get pretty passionate about it, and that can put us in danger with our position with God. Now, we're not going to say that you can't vote in a certain way or vote as a straight party ticket or even be signed up or work for a political party. But what we're saying is that we can't be equally passionate about our politics as we are our faith. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 tells us that no one can serve two masters for either he'll hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And people on all sides of the political divide, and you go on and on and on about how evil the leaders of the other party are and defend the evil of their own candidates. And our culture is pushing us to identify more and more with what makes us outraged. It reminds me of the story of James and John, and it's recorded in Luke chapter 9, where they're going about and Jesus is planning to go to Jerusalem, and he's sending messengers ahead of them, and they arrive in the Samaritan village to get things ready for him. Uh, But the people, they didn't welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. And when James and John saw this, they asked him, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them in, in verse 55. How often do we fall into that same mindset, especially when it comes to politics? We see something that angers us. It seems to defy what God would want done. And so we ask him, should we call down fire? And what the story tells me is that our focus as Christians has got to be different than the world. You know, we follow Jesus, so we're called to be of a different spirit than the world. It's no coincidence that Paul's discussion of government in Romans chapter 13 is preceded by what we read in Romans chapter 12. Remember, you know, Paul didn't use any, any chapter divisions in his original letter to the Romans. Those were added later by translators. And so Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, 
you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, Jesus has called us as Christians to a different type of conduct than the world is used to. And you can probably think when you read through Romans chapter 12 of someone who you dislike, someone who's mistreated you, someone who has upset you in some way. But the image that at least I and I think most of us conjure up when we read Romans chapter 12 is someone who irritates us, you know, someone who rubs us the wrong way. And that's not really who Paul is talking about here. You know, the very next verse in chapter 13 says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Paul is talking about how to deal with everyone, but especially at the time, an oppressive government. You know, Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in Matthew 5, 44, not just those who irritate you. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you in Luke chapter 6, verse 28. And Paul writes, referring to government, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and those who are in high positions. Why? So that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. I've got to pray for these guys even when I disagree with them. That's what it says. Think over the last few decades. Yeah, how many politicians can you think of who were truly deserving of our support? You know, some are better than others, but how many fully lived up to God's expectations for them? How many of them obeyed his command to repent and be baptized to live a new life in him? It's hard to think of many. So how can we as Christians support them? You know, Paul says to pray for all men, including kings and those in high places. And in the time that the, this letter to the Romans was written, he would have been talking about Nero. And Nero was not a nice guy. According to the historians of his day, he poisoned his stepbrother and murdered his mother and kicked his pregnant wife to death. And on the political front, he manipulated the Senate to a point where they no longer had any power. He took it all for himself. He assassinated anyone who stood in his way to power. He hated Christians and executed them regularly. And whatever vote you cast in the next election... It's got to be for someone more appealing than Nero. So why would Paul ask Christians to pray for this guy? Well, Paul trusted God. If we work hard at it, we begin to realize that our God is more powerful than any politician, more powerful than any political party. In fact, when we begin to realize our prayers are even more powerful than our votes, then we understand reality. You know, over and over and over again, God shows us the power of faith in God. That's the power God says we have now. And it's a power that's more potent than well-funded political ads, a power more persuasive than the political machines. And if we have this power in our prayers, then we have more power than our votes. It's because we appeal to an almighty God. That's how we should vote. It's our, our, our humble recognition that when we walk into the ballot box, whatever we do on earth pales in comparison with what the almighty God has done by offering us his eternal plan of redemption. That'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily. And I'm looking forward to sitting down and talking with you next time. 
Hey, thanks for watching this episode of Rooted Daily. We're praying that you're growing with us as we study the Bible and use God's word as our only foundation. If you appreciate this content and want to make sure the others see it, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app and hit the share button. Most importantly, if you're ready to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Jesus, shoot me an email to brandon at rooteddaily.com right now.